That's the only reason I'm here this morning. Can I, can I move this stuff? There's stuff here. I can. I'm the only one up here. I got somebody's phone. I got stuff here. I'm, I don't know who I'm making a mess for. His mercy is more is the only reason I'm here. I am not qualified for this. I'm not worthy of this. Um, but God, somewhere along the way, um, saved me and then had this totally ludicrous idea that I should not be driving trucks and running heavy equipment. I should be a preacher. I still don't understand that, but I'm sure glad he did. I'm glad to be with you, Hardy Street. It's just good to be here. It's not the first time I've been in this church, but it's just good to see so many of you and see some of you again. It's good to see some new folks and some fresh faces. I'll just tell you right now, these people over here on the front row, I love them dearly. I love them dearly. I'm even cautiously and carefully optimistic for a potential son-in-law. He's not there yet. We'll see. I'll learn his name then. But anyway, um, and uh, Mary Laura, thank you. Choir, praise team, man, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. I tell you what. And there's so many things my heart would like to say and so many conversations I would like to have. Tuesday morning before I was uh, leaving to come here on Wednesday, I thought, you know, the, the heat index in, in Mississippi right now is something like the gates of hell, and, and I'm going there, and uh, I think I'm going to go fishing one more time before I leave. And I'm standing in the Limhi River, and I'm catching fish, and I'm, I'm like hip deep in this cool water. It's about 47 degrees. I've got on a nice long sleeve shirt, and, and a bald eagle just flew right down the middle of the river right over my head. And I was like, God, why is it I'm going there again? <laughs> it's so we can open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. And we can talk about the Lord and his work. Matthew chapter 12. I'm going to read a passage to you, and then we're just going to come back, and we're going to work through this passage verse by verse. That's just kind of how I like to do things, how God's fashioned me to do some things. Starting in verse 22 and going through verse 37. I'm going to read the entire passage for us a moment. I love to hear your pages turning. And for those of you that are a little bit younger, I love to know your app is getting there. Matthew chapter 12. Verse 22 says, Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed and asked, could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? When the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts, and he replied, Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against himself. His own kingdom will not survive. And if I'm empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcists? They cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you've said. But... If I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. I love that line. For who's power enough, powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone 
who could tie him up and then plunder his house. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. A tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this. You must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you tweet. I didn't say that by mistake, by the way. For every evil word you Facebook or speak, the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. I wanted to make sure you were listening. We live in a divided world, a divided culture. And, and it's, it's, we can't just disagree with someone anymore. We can't just disagree. We can't just have a conversation and say, well, you see it that way and I see it this way. We live in this culture, in this world that's divided. And if somebody's on the other side of the divide, they're an idiot. If somebody's on the other side of the divide, they're a fool and we have to belittle them. And somehow, by belittling them, we'll raise our viewpoint. I saw a young man who I follow on social media. He, he doesn't know the Lord, but I follow him on social media and I, I just try to be annoyingly Christian around him every now and then. And, and uh, <clears throat> the other night he made a statement about a, a football team. And he called out a weakness in that football team. And fans of that football team, of which he is one, cursed him up and down social media, told him he should get off and he should not be a fan of the team. It's like, my goodness, all he said was they need a quarterback, you know, something like that. That's it. We can't do this. We can't, we can't have a, an adult conversation in our culture anymore because we're so sharply divided. I saw two Christian men on Wednesday night on social media, and, and one of the men, you would know his name, he's a fairly prominent person in Christian life, and and he just made a statement. And someone else who is prominent in Christian life. I'd love to say there were something else. Both these men are Baptists. Both these men are Southern Baptists. And one pointed to the other and said, you're godless. And I'm just like, how about you disagree instead of you're godless? I hate the division in our culture. About 24 years ago at the First Baptist Church in New Orleans, Louisiana, I was attending a revival service. To be honest, I was attending because a preacher who was one of my favorites was preaching, Dr. Bob Hamblin. And uh, Dr. Bob was actually 
beneficial and useful and helpful for me getting to Idaho. And on Tuesday night of that revival, it was February, and you know it was New Orleans, so it was not really cold. But, but it, 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 was, it was just a nice February evening. And he preached out of either First or Second Thessalonians, I can't remember, heaven and hell. It's not that tough. And I'm going out the door where he's shaking hands with folks at the end of the service. And this lady in a mink stole, remember I said it wasn't really that cold. And, 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 and she kind of had this gravelly voice. And, you know, Dr. Hamblin, uh, some of you will know that name and know that man. He was, he was not the tallest guy on the planet. And he's about the same height to this woman. And she just walked up and she said, Dr. Bob, I didn't like your sermon. Now, he has an infectious smile. And he just looked at her and shook her hand. He said, Satan didn't either. Whose side are you on? I just learned something about pastoral ministry from Dr. Bob right there. We live in a divided world, but let me tell you something. We're divided over all the wrong things, and a lot of stupid things divide us. But let me tell you something. In this passage right here, Jesus draws a divide, and it's not mild, it's not simple, it's, it's not something that we can just get aggravated about and say that shouldn't be. He draws a divide. And we've got to make sure which side of that line we're on. We've got to make sure that we're not finding ourselves in opposition to Jesus. Those who aren't with me actually oppose me. Now, I'm going to say something real nice and real sweet. Actually, it's divisive. Let's just be honest about it. I'm going to try to do it in love, not in Facebook. I'm going to try to do it sweet, not in Twitter. But there are people in this room this morning, I want to tell you right now, you're an enemy of Jesus Christ. You oppose him. You say, man, we're cleaned up in a church this morning. What do you mean? Jesus said, you are either with me, you have a relationship with me, you've trusted me, you've reached out to my mercy and grace, you are a child of God, or you are against me. That's not me on social media. That's not somebody sitting in their mama's basement at 2 o'clock in the morning on Facebook telling you that. That is the son of David, the Christ, the Messiah. But he's telling you that in love. Because you need to know. Let's, let's work through this passage. Matthew chapter 12, really the theme of the passage is rejection. Jesus is rejected by the Pharisees. He's rejected by the religious leaders. He's rejected by his own generation. He's just rejected in the middle, Scott, of amazing ministry. It's not that things aren't going well. He's in the middle of, because Jesus just didn't, <laughs> he didn't struggle from, well, we had a bad day today. You know, I didn't preach a good one or something. He's perfect. His ministry was phenomenal. And in the middle of phenomenal ministry, he's He's surrounded by this rejection. Let's just look back at verses 22 and 23. I believe we're going to have them here so we can see them. Just the verses. We don't need the other stuff there. I don't know what that other stuff is. Wow. Never mind, I'll read them. <laughs> oh, there it is. No, that's not it either. Okay, look in your Bibles at verses 22 and 23. We're going to work on that. This demon-possessed man is brought 
was blind and couldn't speak, he's brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. And the crowd was amazed. Now listen to that. The Pharisees are rejecting Jesus. The crowd's amazed. The religious leaders are rejecting Jesus. The crowd is amazed. Could it be that Jesus is the son of David and the Messiah? It's, it's almost like it's impossible. Like that couldn't really be, could it? The question is asked in such a way that you expect a negative answer. Like you're driving down the street and it's like, oh, it's late. That Krispy Kreme isn't open, is it? No, it's not. Oh, I knew it wasn't. You know, it's almost the way that question is asked. Like you expect a negative response to it. Like that would be impossible because they had been praying for the Messiah for generations and for generations. And what are the chances or what are the odds if you're a faithful Jew of going, but he's here in my day, he's here in my time. We've been praying for the Messiah. Is it possible? It, uh, no, it, surely it's not possible. This would be impossible that that's what it is, that it's actually the tone of the question calls for a negative response. But then there's still this, is there a chance? Is it possible? Instead, they brought this demon-possessed man to Jesus. Let's not, let's not go too far with what's going on with this guy right here. There are times that demon-possessed people bring to come to Jesus, and he and he removes that demon, he casts that demon out. There are times that sick people are brought to Jesus, and Jesus never says a word about a demon, and he heals that person. This person was demon-possessed. He couldn't talk, he couldn't hear, and, and Jesus said he healed him of that. His, his demon possession had affected his abilities, okay? But let's not cross it up and just think every time somebody's got something, it's a demon. That's not the way it is. We see that all kinds of ways in Jesus' ministry as people are brought to him. The next verse, verse 24. Now, see, the crowd is amazed. Is this possibly the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about that in verse 24, they somehow had to explain away what Jesus was doing. And they sounded something like this. Well, no wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan. He's the prince of demons. They somehow, it was like the God police showed up and they were just a blessing to everybody. Can you imagine the man who's just been healed? I mean, this guy's life has just been drastically, radically, and forever changed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And somebody, some little nitpicker, picker of nits over here on the sideways, they go, well, no wonder he gets his power from Satan. What's it feel like to be the guy that just got healed? The guy that's just been changed. But somehow, see, when they can't figure out what's going on, all they can do is make something up. Well, we know what it is. He gets his power from Satan. I love the next words that you see in the next verses. It said Jesus knew their thoughts. That had to mess with their heads. <laughs> see, they said out loud this thing, but Jesus knew what they were even thinking. Jesus heard what he said to the crowds, and the crowds heard what they said, but Jesus knew their thoughts. And somehow, in the verses that follow here, Jesus addresses not just what they said, but what their thoughts were. And don't you know that pierced their hearts and messed with their heads? I 
wonder if they ever got together and thought, do you realize he was thinking what we were thinking and he knew what we were thinking? Or if they were just sitting there going, wow, it's like he's talking right inside my head and they didn't get it. I don't know because they were so opposed to him. Jesus knew their thoughts. Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. Basically, guys, what you're saying is foolish. What you're saying is crazy. A town or a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is casting out Satan, no, we're Santa. <laughs> Whatever. He is divided. And <laughs> I like somebody just claims it. Praise God. That's excellent. <laughs> he is divided and fighting against himself. See, if I hadn't brought that up, some of you were going to. So we may just well get it out there. You know, it's right there. He's fighting against himself. Jesus is basically saying to them here, your logic is just crazy. What benefit would Satan have in casting out or bringing out or destroying his own work well that's just a ludicrous idea he's showing them and and I believe in, this is humiliating it's guys you realize how stupid something you just said is you realize how foolish something you just said is you, you realize that the ludicrous I mean you're, you're making this argument and it's basically you don't have a leg to stand on and what you're saying makes no sense. What benefit would that be? And then he goes on in verse 27 and 28. And this is pretty fascinating what happens right here. If I'm empowered by Satan, what about your own exorcist? Or what about your own, literally in the Greek, your own sons? Your own sons. Now why would he say it that way? <laughs> because, if you look at it here, because... They cast out demons too. So they're going to condemn you for what you said. They're going to condemn you for what you said. But if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. There were other people in the day that were casting out demons. Legitimately so. And Jesus looks at these Pharisees and he goes, what about your own sons? What about Jewish people who are casting out demons they're about to condemn you for what you're saying too because do they get there is that where they get their power really your your own guys your own people who are doing legitimate ministry is that where they get their power from is that where it comes from satan is that what happens he's destroying their argument but but if I'm casting out demons by the spirit of the God, spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived. The kingdom of God, the power of the living God, has come to play in your presence today. And boys, you're gonna have to deal with this. You've made this ludicrous argument. You've made this ludicrous argument that I'm doing this by the power of Satan, and and if that's the case, that's it doesn't make sense on Satan's part. It condemns your own people who are doing legitimate ministry. They're going to condemn you for what you've said. This is just crazy talk. But if it is the power of God, then the kingdom of God has come to play right here where you are today. What will you do about that? We 
we could stop and play with that one for a while right there. I hope there's somebody here today and you're a guest of someone and it's your first time and or you've thought, man, I hadn't been to church in years, but I believe I'm going to go or something like that. You know, I, I can't imagine all the various reasons people would be in worship today. But as, but as we were singing, and you realize there's something that's just gnawing at you. And as people were worshiping, and you were saying, man, there's something different about that. I'm not sure what that is. You know what it was, don't you? It's the present of the spirit of the living God and you have to deal with it you got to deal with that I had a LDS, LDS stake president one time who asked me he said can I come to church at your church on Easter and I said you sure can it'll be great we'd love to have you and uh, he came to church and after the worship service can we get together later this week I said we can he was in my office on Tuesday, and he said there was just something different. There was just something different. He couldn't express it, and he couldn't explain it. And he just kept saying, there's something different. There's something different. I don't know what it was, and I don't know how to express it. And I said, it's the first time you've ever been in a worship service where the Spirit of the living God was present. Our conversation changed from that point, but at least we got it out there. The presence of God has come to bear in your circumstances. Jesus, here's a dividing line right here. Here's a dividing line right here. You can't even recognize the Spirit of God. And when you do, you try to explain it away and say, no, it's something else. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. If, if I'm casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. And you cannot ignore that. You cannot deny that. You can deny it. But you can't ignore it. But you can't explain it away. You can't make ludicrous arguments. You've got to somehow deal with the power of the living God. Jesus makes a transition here. He's about to. Look at verse 29 real quick. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like Satan and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger. Someone who could tie him up and plunder his house. Jesus is claiming to be stronger than Satan here. What about that? Earlier in the chapter, he claimed to be Lord of the harvest. Lord of the harvest. Now, when he claimed to be Lord of the harvest, you know what he's claiming to be right there, don't you? He's claiming to be Lord of all. And now here, just a few verses later, he's like, man, you don't, you're not going to just mess around with Satan right there. The only person, the only way you could do this is if, 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 if enter his house and deal in his domain is if you're even stronger. So he claims authority and dominion over Satan. In this chapter, authority, dominion, he's Lord of the harvest, means he's Lord of all. He's Lord over Satan, a stronger man. I can tie him up and plunder his house. Praise God. And Jesus goes from kind of talking to these Pharisees here to teaching. In the next few verses, 30 through 37, he's teaching us. And he draws clear lines and every single one of us is impacted and affected and on one side of these lines or the other verse 30 is the key to this passage anyone who isn't with me opposes me and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me 
that seems harsh. That seems tough. That seems to be that there's no middle of the road. And there's not. There's just not. It's not because I'm just a bad guy and I'm mean and I'm telling you this. It's because Jesus is speaking these words. And he's just saying, you're one of two things. You're with me, you're for me, you're with me, or you're against me. Man, what about this person over here? Well, they're learning about Jesus and they're getting closer to him every day. I think they're going to become a Christian. Until they do, they oppose the power of mighty God. That's frightening. That's scary. Boy, you can see God working in somebody's life. You can see God working in somebody's life. And you can just tell, man, they're getting closer. Man, they're getting closer. Man, they're getting closer. God says, that's opposition. Until they come to the point of obediently bowing before a holy God, confessing their sin and trusting in Jesus the Messiah. But I'm a nice person. I even gave when the offering plate came by this morning. I mean, I'm cleaned up and at church, and you tell me that if I've not done this, yes, I'm opposing God. No, Jesus is telling you that. I'm just reading the Bible. Opposes and actually working against me. Listen, if the power of the kingdom of heaven has not entered into your heart, you don't have anything to do for the kingdom of heaven. If the power of the kingdom of heaven, the spirit of God, has not entered into our lives, we don't have anything to do for God and for the kingdom of heaven. And we're in opposition and we're working against. And you may just want to argue with that and you say, well, I'm not working against. I'm just trying to figure out who Jesus is. I'm not working against. I'm just trying to learn and figure out, man, that's great. I'm fantastic. I'm glad you're here. But God draws these lines that you you are either with me or you are against me and in opposition to me. I've opposed some foolish things in my life. I've been in favor of some foolish things in my life. How many of us think it's a good idea to be in opposition to God? How many of us in our mind, now we've all been in opposition to God. Because... I mean, you're a good church, but you're not all that. You've been in opposition to God. You've been against God. Every single one of us have. We have moments of pride and arrogance, and and we go against God. Even sometimes after we come to know him, we still wrestle, and we do things that are against him. But how many of us would sit down and think, well, I'm going to make a conscious decision here. I think I'm going to oppose God. I'm going to go against him on this one because I just don't think he's right. How's that going to go for you, anybody? How has that gone for you in the past, anybody? What, what did I hear this morning? Somebody's talking about they're going to tell God something. I heard that this morning early on. And it, yeah, and Mary Larda caught it like, oh, yeah, we're going to tell God. Uh-huh, yeah, how does that go for you? It, it doesn't. It doesn't work. Look at how Jesus lays this out. He draws these lines clear enough. Everybody's on a side, either with him or opposing. You're with me or you're against me. Verses 31 says you're forgiven or you're unforgiven. Verses 31 and 32, look at this. This is good stuff. 
So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but any, anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven, either in this world or in the world to come. Well, I tell you what, there's been a lot of little kids and a lot of young folks over the years that were terrified. You mean blasphemy of the Holy Spirit can never be forgiven. I've said some things and I've heard some words come out of my mouth. That's not what he's talking about here. In this case, they were taking the work of the Holy Spirit and attributing it to Satan. The ultimate work of the Spirit is to point to Jesus, to convict us of our sin and draw us to Jesus. And when we reject that work of the Holy Spirit, there's no forgiveness. That's frightening, but you know what? That's grace, and that's mercy, and that's good news. Anybody can speak against Jesus and be forgiven of it. Peter did. Simon Peter, one of his closest three friends on this planet, the night before Jesus died, I don't know the man with an O. I don't know the man with a curse. I don't know the man. I don't even know what you're talking about. And on Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday, we learned that the resurrected Jesus went and met Peter somewhere. And then sometime later, we see the resurrected Jesus meeting with all the disciples. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And he just absolutely reinstates him and, and commissions him to serve. Here's the cool deal. You can be opposed to Jesus right now, and you too one day could be standing on this, on this very platform preaching. Your pastor does. I'm not throwing you under the bus when I say that. I am too. You can be opposed to Jesus when you walk in this room today. You can be against Jesus when you walk in this room today. And you can walk out knowing him completely, totally, and with absolute wholeness. You can be forgiven of that. But if you continue all your days rejecting the Spirit drawing you to Christ, when your life ends, you will have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And the truth about Jesus Christ and there is no second chance. There is no other opportunity. That's it. It's done and it's over. And you will suffer the consequences for that sin forever. Forever. You're either with Jesus or you're against Jesus. You're either forgiven or you're unforgiven. You are either productive or you are unproductive. Look at verses 33 and 34 and on through the end of it here. A tree is identified by its fruit if a tree is good its fruit will be good if a tree is bad it will the fruit will be bad <laughs> Jesus just goes off on these Pharisees right here you bunch of snakes how could evil men like you speak what is good or right whatever's in your heart determines what you say a good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart I'm thinking I've read in the Bible somewhere that it tells us what the most evil thing is. Does anybody know what the most evil thing on earth is? Does anybody know? It's our heart. How in the world can we talk about a heart that produces something good? It's dwelled 
it's the spirit of the living God living in that heart. That's how, that's how we can have a good heart. Productive or unproductive? See, these Pharisees, here's what was going on with them. They look good. They look like healthy trees. They were the people that the people in their days would have looked up to them and said, these are the examples. These are the folks to follow. These are the folks that we want to look like them. But you know what they were doing? They were driving people away from Jesus. They looked really nice. But once you realize the fruit of what they're doing, they're driving people away from Jesus. We're either productive or we're unproductive. And I go back to my, my, my folks on the on social media the other night when you see Christian men and one of them's attacking another one. And I'm thinking, is that really productive for the kingdom? Is that really drawing people to Jesus? Or is that just going, boy, those folks are cantankerous and ornery and they, they're fighting each other. They're no different than a bunch of college football fans. What's lovely about that? Listen, when we take a side, we better make doggone sure that we're following Jesus. Because when we stand in judgment one of these days, when we stand before Christ, he's not going to say, were you a Republican or a Democrat? I won't mess with some of you mind here, but there's saved people on both sides. There are. Yeah, neither one of them has the market on being righteous. He's not going to look at us and say, now, listen, were you, were you a Baptist or were you a, a Pentecostal? I don't want to mess with you here, too. There are people in Pentecostal churches going to heaven. But don't get me wrong. I think there's some people in Baptist church going to heaven, too. He's not going to look at us and say, now listen, were you pro-life or pro-choice? Now listen, I believe there's a godly stance on that right there. But that's not going to be what gets us into heaven. Even though I believe with all of my heart there is one way to answer that question that's godly and that's all there is to it. It's still not going to be it. We get hung up in this world in our issues and we draw lines and we get mad at people on, on this side of the issue or that side of the issue. And, and folks, God has not drawn those lines. And he does not, he's not hanging out in checks and boxes and saying, yeah, they answered that Twitter just right. And they acted like this on Facebook and they, they chose this or that. And, you know, it's, no, it comes back to what we do with Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that matters. And we judge other people by which side of what issue they're on. We judge other people by the way their politics looks. We judge other people by all kinds of just ridiculous standards that aren't godly. Prejudice has far more to do with skin color, far less to do with skin color. It's a, it's a whole variety of things. We're prejudiced over all kinds of things in our world. What are you going to do with Jesus? He says, you're with me or you're for me. 
you're either with me or you are in opposition. You are against me. His last words are tough. 36 and 37, I tell you, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. It's, it's what's coming out of your heart is what you're going to say. And what you say is going to reveal who you belong to. It's not that I'm going to look at all those words and go, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. Oh, you shouldn't have said that. No, you will have condemned yourself because what's coming out of you is going to reflect the fact that what's in you is not Jesus Christ. I don't like all the divisions in our culture. If you hadn't figured that out by now, you should have woke up a little earlier. I, I despise them. I get angry about them. That doesn't make me righteous. It just makes me sick. That's all. And when people say, you can't be that way, you've got to, you, you, you can't, you can, you know what? You can disagree with somebody and love them. Anybody that's married ought to understand that. <laughs> Hello? Yesterday, yesterday, I'm, I'm going to go there. Yesterday, we were having a nice meal and just enjoying ourselves, and somebody brought up something, and Stephanie said, Hanbury said, the next time I'm mad at Mike Palmer, I'm going to, she's making plans to be mad at me. <laughs> and, and somebody pointed that out, and, and, and she said, well, look, we've known each other a long time. What that meant was, he's been mad at me, I've been mad at him, we're going to do it again one of these days, and that's all right. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, you can do that with people you love. It's okay. These divisions lead to hate. These divisions lead to malice. These divisions lead to pride and righteousness. And we get so hung up in those that we fail to see. We fail to see and know and understand and even receive the love of God. Or, or, as Christians, we get so hung up in these divisions that we need to repent of these divisions and go back to the one that matters, the fact that I love Jesus Christ. So I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to enter that argument. I'm not going to look like the world around me. I'm going to look like someone who loves Jesus Christ. And by that, I will draw people to him, not push them away. That's what the Pharisees were doing here. So, so I, I, I'm there. I'm done. I, I'm, I'm done. But I, I just want to, this morning, here, here's what we've come down to. If you're here this morning, you know Christ. You've been a Christian for years. You know Jesus. You know what? We need to investigate which side we're on. And we need to disengage. We need to disengage from the empty arguments of this world that just divide and hurt. And we need to make sure we're following Jesus. And that we're speaking his truth and his mercy and his love.
Now, I'm talking to those of us who are Christians now. We need to disengage from the noise of our culture and look like Jesus. We need to disengage from the hate in our, of our culture and actually look at somebody and go, you know what, I disagree with you. That's, that's okay, I love you anyway. That'll blow their minds. That's not what we're used to. We need to repent of our part of being divisive, even within the church, even within this church. And we need to follow Jesus. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, and you find yourself in a division that I have not created, I have read to you from God's word. But if you find yourself this morning and you see the division that Christ is talking about and you realize I'm opposed to God. I am in opposition to the spirit and the power of the kingdom of heaven and to Christ himself. You need to repent of that and you need to come to know Christ today. Whose side are you on? Dr. Hamlin's question was good. The devil didn't like it either. Whose side are you on? It's a good idea for us this morning to stop and ask that question of ourselves. And if we're not on the side that's following Jesus Christ, then we need to get right. It's just that simple. We need to repent and we need to get right and we need to do it now. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. It's a hard word to me. I'd like to see divisions along the way, God. I'd like to see other choices along the way. I'd like to see something that says, well, you're doing pretty good or something like that. But you don't give us that choice, Lord. It's not there. You have spoken a divide. And we are with her for you. And we're serving and we're faithful and we're looking like Jesus. And we're drawing people to Christ or we're against you and we're divisive. And we're lost and we're doomed and we're damned and we're without hope. And God, forgive us. Even after we come to know you, sometimes we go back to that taking sides and just being a part of this world. God, I pray that we'll just, we'll just let go of that today. In whatever form it looks like, I can't begin to name them all, but in whatever form of prejudice or hate or disruption that we have in us, Lord, that we will put that aside as your followers. And, and this church will be a church that people like, man, the love out of that place is incredible. The love in that place is unbelievable. The love in that person's life is like something you've never seen before. They may disagree with it, but they, they still love you. They might even not, not, not like what you're doing, but they're still going to love you. Because, God, that's the way you've treated me. When I was in opposition to you, you loved me. When I was in opposition to you, you died on a cross for me. God, I pray today every one of us in this room would receive that truth. Some for the first time. And trust you as Lord and Savior. And some, Lord, just to wake up and rededicate their lives and say, wait a minute, I have drifted. Oh, come on, I have drifted away. And I need the peace in my life. 
that I know I've had in following Christ. And I've gotten just angry like this world has. And I know it's here. I just need to repent and come back to him. Father, I pray today in this place that there'll just be a time of healing. In your presence, there's healing. We see it in this passage this morning. I pray that in this place today, there's a time of healing. And you're glorified. And I ask it in your name for your glory and for your kingdom's sake.